It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. We are back here in the free state of Florida broadcasting to you from the home of the Tampa Bay Lightning where they have just taken a, well, they've just won uh, their first game in the series with the Colorado Avalanche to almost, almost pull within even uh, with the Avalanche there at one and two now. So next game is on Wednesday, which is here in, in Tampa. So hopefully the Lightning can pull even with the Avalanche and make it uh, a clean slate to go into Game 5, which will be back in Colorado. So it's uh, 1 and 2 right now. So congratulations to the Lightning. And uh, we are uh, excited that they are winning. Even though I'm not a big hockey fan, I can appreciate the fact that uh, they're underdogs and they are coming back. And uh, so... It's always great to see uh, an underdog win and when they're uh, down like that. And uh, Tampa Bay Lightning has a history of doing that recently. I think that shows you when a good when a team is really good. A team's really good not when they can come out all the time and just uh, dominate and win because they just have so much talent. I mean, you can have a very talented team, and uh, but what really makes a team good is when there's they have heart and determination, and that's when the intangibles come in. And you see that when they're backs against the wall. So they were down zero two, and then one last night, which was Monday, and to within one of being even with the avalanche so if that happens they'll be three peat champions it's a it's uh i was looking at it there's an article i thought well maybe that's that's a first or, or close to a first it's not the first there's been several three peat um nhl champions and there's actually a time i didn't realize this was they were i knew they were dominant but i didn't know they were this dominant in the in the 1970s uh no i'm sorry 1960s the boston celtics were so dominant that they were just uh they were just more dominant than any other NBA team that's been around since then. Actually, was it the Celtics or the, the Celtics were dominant? But maybe I'm, I'm misspeaking. I think it was. Oh, I know what it was. It was UCLA. UCLA. I think they said they won seven titles, which is insane. Uh, that's with a that's with a legendary uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar at that time named Lou Alcindor. Uh, during some of those uh, those championship teams hope you had a great father's day we had a father's day weekend in um, fort DeSoto, which is down oh it's the south saint south of saint pete it's on a island in uh, pinellas county and we went fishing and had barbecue and uh, it was a good time and it was a lot of sun it was supposed to be partly cloudy starting in the midday but it was actually sunny 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 all day it was really fun uh, and Olivia, the youngest daughter, she got her first exposure to fishing, and she is has a Mickey Mouse reel that was given to her by her grandparents, and she really, she actually, I taught her how to cast it, and uh, she had mastered it by the end of the day casting. So we're going fishing again today. Uh, it's Father's Day weekend, and um, one of the Father's Day that probably didn't start off on the weekend the way you thought it was would be Joe Biden, who fell off his bicycle while he was pedaling around i guess it was in delaware near the beach and it's uh just one more sign that the the biden presidency isn't off to the greatest start ever and uh the it's just it's just odd that they would put him out there in the situation uh, joe biden uh for for being an 80 year old man i guess he's not doing too terribly bad but he's not really a great shape for 80 uh certainly he's not good enough shape to be riding a bicycle and why they put him on a bike is beyond me. But 
I've seen the video and he was coming down this pathway and there's a pole in the middle because it's, it's, it's in a crosswalk, it looks like. And he just barely misses the pole. That would have been it. If he had hit that pole, he would have gone over the handlebars. But instead, he pulls the bike to a stop and then gets off the bike and falls off the bike. And you can't really tell if he hit his head or not. He was wearing a helmet. But uh, it's, not a good, it's not a good idea to put uh, Joe Biden on a bicycle. Uh, but then again, you know, they're trying to portray him as being in charge, being youthful. They used to tell him to run out to the to the microphone and uh, during the what limited, very limited campaign stops he did when he was running for president. They made him a couple of times. They made him run out to the microphone. And it's funny, too, because so Biden fell off his bike. Uh, the Internet apparently went, you know, had a lot of memes about it. Uh, nobody was really particularly nasty to him or anything. But uh, one of the people that was nasty was uh, this guy, Andrew Bates. This is a uh, Democrat operative. I believe he's part of the communications department with the Biden administration. And this is on Twitter, the the uh, garbage can of social media. It says, never seen Trump on a bike, let alone get back up and keep going. But to be fair, I've seen him run track masterfully. So this is this thing where they said that Trump had some type of neurological problem because he was walking down a slippery, uh, slippery ramp with leather shoes on and didn't want to bust his ass. So he was being very careful. And oh, boy, the media just seized on that. And well, this is what this Andrew Bates guy was saying was that he's never seen Trump on a bike. And he said, well, Biden got up and got back going. Well, anyway, so Christina Pushaw, who's the uh, communications director or secretary for uh, Governor DeSantis, tweeted or replied, the White House has the biggest communications team and budget of any government office in the country. It's many times bigger than ours, meaning Florida's. And theoretically, every Democrat communication person wants to work there. So they have their pick of the best in the country. And this is the result. And they have the hand, uh, hand face emoji. So that's just funny because this is true. I mean, they have the best of the best. And they're so uh, and clustered in their little uh, bubble that they can't even see that um, this is bringing up the fact that Trump took, a, took his time going down a slippery ramp and Joe Biden... I don't think there's anybody outside of the White House or that very, uh, very uh, passionate uh, Democrat um, contingency that would say that Joe Biden's in any way close to the physical presence that Donald Trump was, no matter what they think of Trump. And this is from Eric Garnell. This is from conservativebrief.com. He says, uh, President Biden's nasty spill off his bike on Saturday during a morning ride in Delaware is another sign that he's not in good enough physical condition to be running the country, according to former ranking member of Donald Trump's administration. And that's Rick Grinnell. And so um, Rick Grinnell, uh, he was the ambassador to Germany, and he was also, um, uh, what other position did he have? I think he was, he was acting... Uh, Something to do with the um, uh, maybe his uh, um, DNI. No, that was Ratcliffe. Anyway, Grignell says he served as U.S. ambassador to Germany during Trump's term, as well as a stint as acting director of national intelligence. Okay, I knew it. I, did, I was right. Told Newsmax TV that the fall is just another piece of the puzzle that shows he's not well enough to be running the country, and that's pretty uh, pretty clear to most of us. So the question is, if Biden's not running the country, who's running the country? This is a thing that we've been talking about. Uh, a lot. People have been talking about a lot. And what, who was running the country? Well, I made a list here of the potential people that uh, are running the country. And we'll go over here in a second. But if it is not Biden, then who is it? But uh, the, Grinnell has made a good point here. He says, 
this is not an isolated event. There was the internet was quick to point out that anybody can get their foot caught on a pedal and and, and fall on off the bicycle, which is true. And uh, he says, uh, you know, he says himself here. This is Grinnell. He says the diplomat noted that the incident came after Biden was seen quote falling up the stairs. We've seen a shuffle, seen him shake hands with the air, seen him lose cognitive function in the middle of a speech. That happens all the time. And today's episode is just another piece of the puzzle. Joe Biden is not well, and he isn't running the country. And so what's all that about? Is that all to be mean to Joe Biden? No, no, because I can actually, you know, I could care less, really. Joe Biden being the way he is, is not that important to me. I don't I don't get um it doesn't make me feel good to say that Joe Biden is is a mess, really, physically and cognitively. But what does make me mad is that he's not running the country. And the people who are not who are running the country, potentially, are not doing any better job than Joe Biden is in his cognitive state now. And so we're going to run down a list of the, just some people I put together who could be running the country right now. Possibly. Possibly. This is a it's like a troika. This is a this. Uh, these are some of the people. So Lloyd Austin's defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, may be running the country or running his part of the country, the defense part. And so what is Lloyd Austin? Um, he's the secretary of defense. And what is he known for? Well, one of the biggest things that's happened under Lloyd Austin, secretary of defense, is the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was a complete uh, mess, complete disaster, left people behind, uh, left $82 billion worth of person of uh, military equipment behind complete, utter disaster, Afghanistan withdrawal. And what is Lloyd Austin known for, uh, known for rooting out white supremacy in the military. That's what he's, that's what his, uh, his, uh, um, claim to fame is that he was going to root out the white supremacists in the military. So this, so Lloyd Austin's running the military. Okay. So Biden's not running military. Lloyd Austin is who else could be running the military. Mark Milley, Mark Milley is the chairman of joint chiefs of staff. Ditto to Mark Milley, white supremacist. He, he wanted to know about white rage. And he's also the guy who told Trump when Trump said he finally figured out this guy's an idiot is he told Trump that, sir, it's much cheaper to leave the equipment in Afghanistan than to bring it home. And Trump knew then not to ever talk to that guy again. That's when he was uh, working under Trump. Who else could be running the show? Anthony Blinken. He's the Secretary of State. Now, you wouldn't know that he's Secretary of State because you know nothing about Anthony Blinken. He's probably the most unseen member of the cabinet uh, of the top tier offices, meaning Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury, um, uh, Secretary of Defense, um, Attorney General. These are all the, the big the big ones. Anthony Blinken's Secretary of State. You would never know he's a Secretary of State. You'd never hear anything about him. And when you do hear anything about him, it's always something that's uh, disappointing. So he's the, he's the guy who's who's the chief diplomat of our country. And what's happened under his watch? Well, Ukraine and Russia has been going on. Uh, you don't hear anything about um, Anthony Blinken trying to broker any peace in Ukraine and Russia. He's an innocent bystander. It appears that he has as much influence on Ukraine and Russia as I do. And he's also, again, Afghanistan. So he's he's part of the team, along with Lloyd Austin, who decided to leave Afghanistan in the terrible way that they did it. So, so far, Lloyd Austin, Mark Millian, Anthony Blinken could be running the country. Who else could be running the country? Well, Mayorkas. Mayorkas is the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, he's the guy who has been 
um, presiding over massive influx of illegal immigrants across the southern border of who we have no idea who they are. Uh, if we were to believe Mayorkas, they're just uh, uh, they are they are yearning to be free they they've read the bottom of the statue of liberty and that's what they're here for they're coming through the southern border because the statue of liberty is too far away but they agree with the bottom uh, they're huddled masses yearning to be free and that's all they want they're not bringing any drugs across the border they're certainly not trafficking children they're certainly not misrepresenting themselves as parents of children to bring children on board there's no uh, rape going on uh, on the way to the border, there's no starvation. There's no coyote. There are no coyotes leaving children at the border after they've deposited them. Although that happens all the time. So Mayorkas is another guy who's running the country. Who else is running the country? Potentially great Jennifer Granholm. No drilling Jennifer Granholm. She's the one who is glad that the prices of gas are the way they are. And she's the one that says that if you should, if you're worried about gas being as expensive as it is, then you should just buy a sixty thousand dollar minimum electric car. Who else could be running uh, the country? Well, no doubt Kamala Harris could be running the country. The borders are right. Uh, the cackling uh, borders are Kamala Harris. Nobody thinks she's running the country. Who else could be running the country? Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is the uh, transportation expert, such an expert that he was made transportation secretary after being the mayor of a small uh, city in, uh, in Indiana. And he is the author of The Supply Chain Crisis, where there were, there are still potentially uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of of, of um, ships waiting outside of ports to try to deliver goods to the United States, and try to get goods from the, the uh, to ports into the different parts of the country that need them. He's the author of the six dollar a gallon gasoline. Uh, they're they're recently trying to um, uh, determine whether or not they should relax the federal uh, tax on gasoline to give us a little bit of a break. Apparently it'd bring about 18 cents uh, per gallon off the top if they would just suspend the gasoline tax. But of course we haven't had any movement on that yet. That's just, maybe that's going to happen in the future. And he's also the guy when all of this was happening, who took two months of paternity leave so that he could stay home with his husband, Chasen and their two new twins. So that's who else is running the country. Buddha judge when he's not on paternity leave, who else? Of course, Dr. Fauci, uh, Dr. Fauci is the father of lockdowns and vaccine mandates. He's a, the COVID soothsayer who now has COVID. He's the one that is doing everything right and was going to tell us all how to do everything right. And only if we listen to Dr. Fauci would we get through this alive and intact. And here he is. He's the one potentially running the country. Janet Yellen is another one. Uh, former uh, Fed Reserve chairperson and now uh, the Treasury the secretary, she's the one that told us inflation was transitory. Uh, she's also one that told us that climate change is the biggest uh, threat to our financial situation now because it's going to cause uh, all types of bad weather and uh, everything else that you could can think of that would happen bad because of climate change and nothing else. Not because of the spending in Congress, not because of the... Uh, the payments to people to stay home from work, not because of the counterproductive uh, uh, laws that have been passed by uh, the Democrat-controlled legislature. Not that the not that the Republicans have any better ideas, because believe me, they don't really. Um, but anyway, that's another person that could be running the country. Ron Klain is a. Uh, He's the uh, chief of staff, Joe Biden's chief of staff. I guess he's been with Joe Biden for a long time. 
He's seen Joe Biden through the uh, the years when he was swimming naked in front of the uh, um, uh, Secret Service agents, including females. He's the one that's been around since Joe Biden's been uh, giving gaffes and and calling people different uh, racial uh, epithets throughout the throughout the um, throughout the years. And uh, so Ron Klain, but oh, it can't be Ron Klain because he's about, he's going to be out the door soon, apparently. So he's leaving. So it's not Ron Klain around the country. So it could be who else could it be? Well, now we get down to who it probably really could be. And so one of the people that could be is Susan Rice. So who's Susan Rice? She was uh, Obama's uh, ambassador to the UN. And then she was later his, um, I believe she was the uh, uh, national security advisor. So Susan Rice, and she's the director of U.S. Domestic Policy Council. So what is the U.S. Direct Domestic Policy Council? So this is an office that was created in 1993 by Bill Clinton. And before that, it was kind of informal economic advisors. But this codified the uh, the office of this domestic policy council and she's the director of it and what the domestic policy council is is going to kind of be this uh council that's going to make sure that everyone's on the same team it's going to kind of coordinate efforts across the executive branch to make sure that they're doing domestic policy the right way and this is a perfect position for susan rice to be in because it is a position that does not require um, it does not require confirmation by the Congress because it's not a cabinet level position. So anytime you have a shadow government or any type of shadow leadership, whether it be in the mafia or whether it be in the, in the white house, it's good to have someone in there who you really want in there, who no one knows really much about. Didn't go through a lot of, um, didn't go through a lot of, uh, background checking doesn't really have a, a big presence, isn't out front, isn't out there uh, in the media, but they're there behind the scenes. They're there where it really counts. And they're there to be the consigliere, so to speak, to the uh, supposed head of the organization, which would be Joe Biden, the big man. And so here we have Susan Rice. She's in a perfect position to be the one running the country. And that's what some people have said, that who's running the country, Susan Rice, along with many other people like Susan Rice, potentially these unnamed, um, unnamed people who are former Obama administration uh responsible parties and they are now inside this biden white house and so there's probably people like susan rice in um in the office of of a kamala harris there's probably people like susan rice in all of these offices and they're there to kind of leak in the real uh real decision making from the the party backers and whoever that may be and it's the donors it is the uh the apparitionics that have been there since the beginning since clinton for instance back then the people in the the people in the state department who have been there for a long time these people who are the policy wonks but not necessarily out in front and uh, behind all of that, possibly, likely, I can't imagine that they're doing all this without any, uh, without any uh, clearance from the big guy and the real big guy, and that's Barack Obama. So that's what we have going on here. Uh, what else do we have here? This is from American Greatness. This is from Victor Davis Hanson. It's called Biden and Oil. Destroy America in order to save it. And so... Uh, the. Victor Davis Hansen says, our current oil shortage did not arise from a single 
I'm sorry, rise from a foreign war or tsunami, but from a deliberate policy to curtail oil production to force a more rapid transition to battery powered transportation. Now, this is not something that is a mystery because uh, Joe Biden has said this over and over and over again, that this is what he wants to do. And it says here, during the Democratic primaries, Biden ran on the premise that he would end all fossil fuels during his tenure. In 2019 through 2020, that bluster seemed easy demagoguery at a time of near record low gas and diesel prices. The American people shrugged at such utopianism since they were often filling up their cars for less than $50. Biden monotonously promised at rallies, such as they were, that he would cancel pipelines, stop new federal leasing to oil and gas companies, persuade lenders who restrict loans to them, put the Alaska National Wildlife Reserve off limits, and embrace the Green New Deal. Those were certainly campaign boasts that he followed up on. And so this is the thing that why you are paying $5 a gallon for gasoline right now. This is the reason that you are uh, spending more money potentially on gasoline than you are on food. This is the reason that you are not going on your family vacation this year because it costs too much money. It's because Joe Biden has promised these uh, people in his, in his group, his, his uh, Democrat party that this is what he is going to do. And it's all to bring about battery powered transportation and better and uh, more of a climate friendly uh, energy policy. But if you read, if you watch the, the movie documentary planet of the humans, you'll see that this is not necessarily what's going to happen as far as clean energy is not necessarily clean. But it's it's the it's the way that the the left has always done things. The left going all the way back to Stalin is they have seen themselves as the brain trust. They are the ones that must be uh, protected and in charge so they can pass these dictates. So you have this guy John Kerry is the climate czar. John Kerry, who is uh, the Heinz uh, Teresa Heinz Kerry's husband, who is a uh, a uh, rich person because of uh, marriage, mostly. He's a billionaire. And it says, uh, billionaire Carrie exudes Antoinette disdain for the muscular classes, a hubris that now characterizes the elite rich leadership of the left in general. Carrie and his progressive ilk make no effort to disguise that they feel credentialed to they feel credentialed such as themselves, the wealthy and the progressive enjoy the birthright to fly private, to be limousined and to bounce between multiple energy hungry mansions. Those compensations are all necessary to allow them to focus on the divine task of directing and hurting the unthinking and blinkered chumps, dregs and crazies and clingers to do what is for their own good. Now, most recently defined as paying more than $6 a gallon. And that's that's what it is today. So it's paying more than $6 a gallon for gas. Uh, yesterday, it was uh, defined as being not able to go see the doctor of your choice or buy the insurance of your choice through Obamacare. So they had to do away with that because that wasn't what we were doing before wasn't good enough for us. And then now it's going to be $6 a gallon gas is what's good for us in the future. Now, going into the future, it's going to be being able to read and listen to the things that are the right things for us. And so this is the whole grand uh, premise of what they're doing is just kind of making this, uh, this is part of a bigger puzzle in order to, um, in order to uh, further move the ball down the line closer to the goal. And they're doing it steadily, no matter uh, how painful it is. And the only thing that's going to really stop it, if this is going to be stopped at least slowed down is if 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 they lose big time in November, and that's 
got to happen. Because if that doesn't happen, the chances of three years from now, us not being in a depression is, is slight. But again, this is the problem that one of the things that they're trying to do, I think, is to crash the economy in order to bring about this this uh, new this new order, this new uh, government top down order where all of the things that you need are going to be given to you. And that's part of what they talk about. The Great Reset is is uh, trying to ensure that the, the capitalism is done right. And by capitalism being done right, it's by doing the stakeholder capitalism where the big corporations have have the control of the levers. And there's not a, all of this uh, uncertainty and freedom that you see that makes things unpredictable, but more uh, more toward the line of what you would see uh, where there's the oligarchy controlling and there's not very much of a middle class. But back to this oil and gas, it says White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre also reassures the country there's no reason to pump more oil and gas. Instead, she says we just need to refine more. At her press conferences, she reads all of her answers from prepared notes. But apparently Jean-Pierre's 20-something press preppers weren't oblivious to the United States, thanks to the hard left green opposition. Or we're oblivious that the United States, thanks to hard left green opposition, has not built a major refinery since 1976, back when there were 110 million fewer Americans. So that's what they said. They said you should refine more oil. Little do they know that the oil refining capacity is at its complete limit. And if you were to try to build another oil refinery now, refinery now, there would be so much regulation that. Like I said, they promised to do this back in the when he was running for president. He said he was going to make uh, oil and gas companies, fossil fuel industry go away, and they're doing it. And at the same time, they want to go over across the, across the uh, ocean and ask Saudi Arabia to pump more oil. It's complete lunacy. Again, back to our point earlier, this is not the guy who's running the country. There's a problem where there's too many cooks in the kitchen. They don't have a defined uh, strategic goal that is uh, able to cobble together all these different leftist desires in order to make it anything that's even remotely workable. They can't even screw things up correctly because they have too many people trying to screw things up from different uh, from different angles. So they're not even screwing things up correctly. That's how bad it is. Uh, so we have to figure out what to do about this in the short term. Uh, in the short term, I think the 2022 elections are going to be important. But again, putting uh, putting the, the Democrats, I'm sorry, Republicans back in charge is not necessarily going to do anything because Republicans, by and large, are, uh, I say, the, the, the lesser of two evils. And I'm not to say that, that you have to put in like a third party there. I'm saying that you have to find better Republicans. You have to find better Democrats. You have to find better people in general. And it's not even finding better people. You have to be, from a political standpoint, able to make it to where, as Milton Friedman said, that you don't elect the right people. You have to make it politically. Uh, you have to make it politically advantageous for the wrong people to make the right decisions, and that's what we have to do. And that's only done through uh, voting and through other things like that, talking to your neighbors, and but mostly through thinking and teaching and educating people. Uh, this is this is pretty sad. This is pretty frustrating, actually, and aggravating. This is from uh, this says kbue dot com. This is a news organization. It says first interior image released in Uvalde school shooting shows officers with more firepower than previously believed. 
It says the footage shows multiple officers were inside the building with rifles and at least one ballistic shields 19 minutes after the gunman arrived. They didn't enter the classroom until the shoot where the classroom where the shooter was for nearly another hour. So we were told before we were told all kinds of things, but recently they released this footage and here's a picture if you're if you're watching, not listening, but if you're watching, but it shows us these cops standing at the end of the hallway where they apparently stood for the better part of 77 minutes. And he's got this ballistic shield. In the meantime, the kids were calling and people were calling 911 saying, get in there. And uh, this is just one more uh, thing to show that this, all this talk about the school shooting and how we just need to have better laws uh, is complete horse crap because this is not the reason that these kids were killed was because of the laws. The reason the kids were killed was because there was a, 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 uh, uh, what do you call it? A uh, crazy or evil person, more, more likely evil. You can give them the credit of saying they're crazy. Cause then you say, well, they have a mental problem. There was an evil person there and the evil person wanted to commit crime and did commit crime. And then we also had this problem of the law enforcement where they waited too long to go in because that's what they were told to do. They were told not to go in there because they didn't have enough firepower. This is what it says here. District Police Chief Pete Arendo reportedly called a landline at the Uvalde Police Department at 11.40 for help. It's an emergency right now, he said. We have him in the room. He's got an AR-15. He's shot a lot. They need to be outside the building prepared because we don't have firepower right now. It's all pistols. Uh, so this is this is uh, 11.40. But this here says that these people were on the premises at 19 minutes after the shooting started with this uh, ballistic shield and these not pistols, they have automatic rifles or semi-automatic rifles. This is a problem that we're, we're, we haven't been told, and they've been using this Texas shooting as a reason to badger people over the Second Amendment, again, to reduce freedoms in order to make it seem like if there was just one more law, this would have been avoided, which is complete bullcrap. So Dr. Fauci has been uh, in, uh, isolating. He's been isolating because he's got the COVID. This is from TrendingPolitics.com. Fauci is back with a warning for Americans. Quote, wear a mask when you're indoors. This outbreak isn't over yet. Hopefully the more people that get vaccinated and boosted and more people that realize the importance when you have a high level of viral dynamics that when you're in an indoor setting, you should wear a mask. Even though the whole world, including the United States and the UK, are just worn out and tired by this outbreak, it isn't over yet. People need to realize it's never going back to zero. That's not the nature of this virus. So what's the point then? If it's not going back to zero, and masks apparently don't work, uh, vaccines apparently don't work, uh, standing on Fauci dots apparently doesn't work, plexiglass apparently doesn't work, uh, staying home, uh, shutting down economies apparently doesn't work. Then what the hell is the point of wearing a mask? If he said people need to realize it's not going back to zero. Yeah. We realized that a long time ago. A lot of people have been saying that from the beginning and the idea that there would be a COVID zero came from people like you who told us if we just stayed home, you just mask up, uh, kiss your wife at night, wear a mask in bed, better yet, sleep in a different bed, uh, put your kids in the other part of the house. That type of thinking is what we were told we had to do. We had to do these sacrifices in order to get to COVID zero. And now here we are, the king of masking, Dr. Fauci, 
People really need to realize it's never going back to zero. Well, like I said, we've all known that. Not all of us. Most of us have known that. Actually, there's a lot of people who haven't known that. People who have taken Dr. Fauci at his word. People who believed in Dr. Fauci. People who thought that he was some type of uh, brilliant, brilliant person because he's been in government for 50 years. And my God, if someone's been in government for 50 years, then they must be the most uh, brilliant person there are. There is, but this is uh, this is just just a sign of the incompetence of this this, this person that is, and the incompetence of the government response in general. This article says that there's a peer-reviewed journal article in Curious called "Correlation Between Mass Compliance with COVID-19 Outcomes in Europe," recently showed that. Surprisingly, this is what they said. Surprisingly, weak positive correlations were observed when mass compliance was plotted against morbidity or mortality in each country. So they plotted the mass compliance against morbidity or cases per million and mortality deaths per million. And they found weak positive correlations. Uh, so they found that the more you wore a mask, there was a weak positive correlation. So that means that the more they wore a mask, more likely they were to have cases or deaths. How about that? While no cause effect conclusions can be inferred from this observational analysis, the lack of negative correlations between mask usage and COVID-19 cases suggests that widespread uses of masks at a time when an effective intervention was most needed, i.e. during the strong 2021-2020-2021 autumn winter peak, was not able to reduce COVID-19 transmission, the study concluded. Moreover, the moderate positive correlation between mask usage and deaths in Europe also suggests that the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences. I don't know about you, but I actually, I actually remember thinking that self, to myself that. I said, how were we designed? Or if you're of the other 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 frame of thought how were you randomly evolved over billions of years from uh, tiny tiny bacteria and amino acids that were spontaneously generated during a, a primordial earth through electric fields either way however you arrived at the way you are which is apparently if it's evolutionarily the best it could be because survival of the fittest so forth or if you were designed uh, however you were however you think of it the body is the way it is and breathing is a is an exercise in re, removing toxins, in removing poisons, removing bad things from your body, and that's part of the respiratory drive is to inhale oxygen, good stuff, exhale all the bad stuff, including CO two and um, any any of the gases, but also viruses and things, and bacteria, dust. Uh, whatever has come into your lungs. <clears throat> so let's say that you're in this uh, area where there's a virus. Okay. Let's say you're in an area, you're in a, you're in a, you're at the beach and you are walking by someone. You're not in Walmart walking by someone, because if you're in Walmart walking by someone, as we know from the lockdowns, you can't get the virus in Walmart because it's essential, but you can get it, but it's still essential. But on the beach, definitely can get it. Don't go to the beach. Anyway, so let's say you broke COVID protocol. You're at the beach during the height of the, the, the lockdowns. You're wearing your mask because you want to be safe. And you walk by someone who coughs. And out of that cough comes millions of viral particles. And they land on your face. And they land near your lips. And you inhale some of them. Some of them go in your nose. At that point, when you exhale... 
would it be more likely that the viruses infect you if you exhaled into a mask and then re-inhaled them and then exhaled them and re-inhaled them and exhaled them all the way back home until you could safely remove your mask? Or would it be more likely that you didn't have a mask on, someone comes by and coughs on you, you inhale some virus and you exhale it, and then you have some of the virus called in your mucus uh uh, mucus uh, secretions and then the macrophages in your body come out and attack the virus and then hopefully you don't get COVID. Which one of those is more likely? Anyway, back to the point is this uh, this 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 mask article shows that the, apparently and at least in this study and this is just one study that there was a positive correlation between mask usage and getting sick from COVID or dying from COVID. And uh, this is one of the more uh, more surprising things to some not surprising to others, including myself. It's more about this Dr. Fauci that says that they're, uh, you know, this is this uh, vaccine thing. This, he says we have to get, hopefully the more people get vaccinated and boosted, the more you realize the importance of a, okay, so vaccines and boosted. So now they're going to try to vaccinate children, which we talked about before. And then says, again, this is uh, when Dr. Rand Paul asked him, he says, Dr. Fauci, the government recommends everyone take a booster over age five, Paul began. Are you aware of any studies that show reduction in hospitalization or death for children who take a booster? And Dr. Fauci says, right now, there's not enough data that's been accumulated, Senator Paul, to indicate that's the case. I believe that the recommendation was made based on the assumption that if you look at the morbidity and mortality of children within each age group, you know, 0 to 5, 5 to 11. So there are no studies that Americans should know all this, uh, Paul remarked. There are no studies on children showing a reduction in hospitalization or death without taking or with taking a booster. So Dr. Fauci says, get vaccinated, get boosted, wear a mask. And he says that from the comfort of his home where he's isolating because he now has COVID. <sighs> Dr. I'm sorry, Dr. Donald Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis are the, apparently the front runners for the 2024 uh, Republican nomination. It is uh, from Breitbart. It says Donald Trump on potential 2024 DeSantis run. Quote, it's his prerogative. I think I would win. Uh, former President Donald Trump weighed in on the chatter about the possibility of another presidential bid and said he is unsure if Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will throw his hat in the ring. However, Trump ultimately expressed confidence, predicting he would defeat his political ally. And it says here, it says Trump told the New Yorker he is very close to making a decision about running in 2024. And uh, he has hinted at a possible Biden-Trump rematch on several occasions the past year and a half. I think that he will not uh, be having to worry about this because I ultimately think that Ron DeSantis is going to run for governor. Uh, we know he's running for governor. He's already running for governor. He's going to win. He's going to win. And then he is going to serve out his four years. In the meantime, President, former President Trump will run in 2024, hopefully beat whoever's in the Democrat seat, whether it be uh, Joe Biden or uh, any of the other possibilities, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, or any of those people. Uh, but I think DeSantis is not going to run in 2024, and I hope he doesn't. And that's speaking from a person who lives in the free state, not because I don't want him to run, not because I even care if he runs against Trump. It's just I want him to be governor for four more years, and I don't want him to be the president uh, because I, I just want him to be governor. And I, I think he would be a good president 
And I think Trump would be a good president again. And I think um, even if they did run against each other, uh, I don't know who would win, but I think it wouldn't be good for either one. I don't think it would be good for Trump to run against DeSantis. And I don't think it'd be good for DeSantis to run against Trump because they would both, they're fighting over the same, I'd say 90% of the same voters. And uh, I think it would just do both of them harm. And that's why I don't think it'll happen. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be the front runner, even if even if DeSantis did run. Uh, there's no way that Tom Cotton, uh, there's well, there's no way that Chris Christie, as much as he thinks he will, uh, there's no there's no way that uh, Nikki Haley, uh, there's no way that uh, Christie no many of those people will beat Trump, and I don't think many of them would run. Uh, uh, Chris Christie would because he's got nothing else to do. Um, and then there's some other people who might run, but I don't think anybody could beat Trump. And I think DeSantis and Trump would be close. And I think DeSantis might even beat Trump because people see DeSantis as Trump without the baggage. So they see him as someone who's can go in there and do the same things Trump did without the Trump, um, tweeting without the Trump, uh, hatred and uh, uh, hatred for Trump and uh, without the Trump, you know, just the, all the different uncertainties around Trump. I'm not saying that because I criticize in Trump. No, not that I'm not criticizing. I don't really care about Trump tweeting personally. It doesn't bother me. I'd much rather have $2 a gallon gasoline and mean tweets all day long. But either way, uh, I think Donald Trump has a lot of baggage that DeSantis doesn't have. Now, that being said, if DeSantis runs, Mark my words, they will have their attack dogs out for DeSantis. Mitt Romney is the most unassuming Republican that ever walked the face of the earth. Mitt Romney is the most unoffensive, wanting to get along even more so than John McCain with the left, with the media, with the Democrats in the media, with the Democrats in Congress. Mitt Romney wants to be liked by the Democrats more than any Republican, like I said, who's ever walked the face of the earth. And yet even Mitt Romney was demonized by the media, by the Democrats in the media, by the left. He was a dog hater who put his dog on the car. He was a man that didn't care if uh, employees had cancer or their wives died of cancer. He was a <clears throat> man who put binders, uh, binders full of women, did something with women with binders. So if if DeSantis runs, DeSantis is going to be pilloried. DeSantis is going to be demonized. They are going to drag up stuff about DeSantis. They are going to call him a racist. They are going to call him a homophobe. They are going to say that he is uh, unstable. They are going to say that he is corrupt. They are going to say that everything. And the truth of the matter is, is it doesn't matter if, if, if um, Trump or DeSantis was to run Anybody who runs is going to be demonized. But back to the point is, I don't think DeSantis or Trump will run against each other. I think Trump will run in 2024 and DeSantis, if he wants to, will run in 2028. I would like to see DeSantis run in 2028 and then have uh, potentially uh, Donald Trump come back for a third term as the consigliere and uh be like uh vito corleone was when michael corleone took over semi-retired but still there uh making the left crazy as hell anyway that's enough for today i hope you all have a good rest of your week and we'll probably see you again later this week uh and go bolts until next time bye bye